and we didn't coordinate that. Wasn't that something? So I'm just going, I don't have many scriptures today because we know a lot of the stories that I'm going to be talking about. So I'm going to talk for a long period of time here. Um, let me get my timer going here. Oh, am I ready, Thomas? Yes, sir. Okie dokie. This week, we'll celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, now, American holidays started in the 1600s or something, and there's all kind of people that want to have controversy about the, in the Indians and the pilgrims and, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Whatever they want to do is good with me. Um, but they got together probably to celebrate their uh, a, a good harvest, and uh, they ate a big meal and had a good time. Hmm? But, this, you know, Thanksgiving is not necessarily a, a, a religious holiday. In fact, it's not a religious holiday like Christmas and Easter. But it is a reason to have a good meal, spend some time with family, have a good day, have a good time. But <clears throat> the spirit of giving thanks is a basic Christian virtue. If you hadn't figured out how to give thanks for what God has done for you, um, well, time to figure it out now, right? Okay. But as a Christian, all right, who could be more thankful than a person, every one of us, bound for eternal hell? That's what we deserve. That was our payment. To have God intervene on our behalf and give us a path for eternal redemption. Is that, that's something to be thankful for. We absolutely don't deserve it. We could never work for it. We can never deserve it. We're, we are, uh, from, from, I guess, from a natural perspective, we are in an impossible situation, right? If God doesn't intervene, we're going straight to hell. There's no, there's no question about that. But that's what God did. He did intervene. And when he sent Jesus to die on the cross as a substitute for us, and by accepting this sacrifice, we spend eternity in heaven. Pretty good deal. Anybody thankful for that? Anybody not thankful for that? Y'all all paying attention. That's good. <laughs> but now, you know, we're just talking about salvation here. God certainly wants more for us than just salvation, right? He cares about every aspect of everything we're doing. But just salvation alone is enough to be very thankful for. But, that's the old but. But, we often lose sight of the main thing. Sometimes we let the small things distract us. Now, what are the small things? Anything that's not the main thing, right? But sometimes the main, the small things can seem pretty big, right? We all face serious challenges in our life. Who doesn't face challenges? No. Uh, Y'all paying attention again or sleeping? One. Okay. Our health, our finances, Work, family, traffic, weather, buying a dress that fits right, 
All of those things. The list goes on and on and on, right? We, we, we concentrate kind of on the small things and don't think too much about the big thing. And it's easy to fall into the poor pitiful me trap. Y'all know what the poor pitiful me trap is, right? Nobody loves me. Nobody cares what I have to say. I, I just don't fit in. I thought they were my friends. So it, it's easy to fall into that trap. But if, if, if you've got that mindset, that poor pitiful me mindset, it's very difficult to be thankful, right? That makes sense. If it's all poor pitiful me, what do I have to be thankful for? Well, really, you have a lot to be thankful for. So it's hard to be thankful when you're in that poor pitiful me uh, mindset. So you say, well, no, I don't really get into that poor pitiful me stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that negative, right? But do we look at the glass as half empty or half full, right? I mean, that's another kind of degree of poor pitiful me. Do we concentrate on what we don't have rather than giving thanks for what we do have? Pretty tough. I mean, if you think about just salvation in itself, we should be smiling from ear to ear all the time. They shouldn't be able to wipe that smile off your face, right? Kind of like when they messed up that fourth down throw with 14 seconds left. That smile was plastered on my face for a little while. <laughs> right? Well, for all us poor pitifuls and all the ones that look at the glass half empty and half full, I got great news. God loves us. Amen. Every one of us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we didn't do. God loves us. God's got a plan for us. Now, I think God's plan is a lot like the GPS. We take a wrong turn and he hits that recalculating, recalculating, take a new turn, turn left, right? He's always, but he's always looking for a plan that's going to be best suited for us, right? So we all make mistakes. We always, we all make wrong turns, right? We watch the GPS dead ahead, run right by the road, like it ain't there. And by the way, church family loves you too. Remember that, right? We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We say things we shouldn't have said. We do things we shouldn't have done. And, and if you think that like, oh, they did that on purpose and stuff, you're giving us way too much credit. I have a hard time remembering what I had for breakfast, right? I, I plan, I, my life is, more diff, is, is, is much of a challenge that I want to face. I don't want to go around trying to mess up your life, right? So if, if indeed I, I'll just say that, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Didn't do it on purpose, I promise. Probably did it out of, I wasn't thinking. But anyway, your church family loves you too. So if you think about nobody cares about me and all that kind of stuff, just not true. God loves you. Your church family loves you. Probably some of your family loves you. Not all, but some. Right? All right. But sometimes the small things do get big. Right? And when they get too big, 
This is back to one of my favorite things. We should recount our previous victories. And also look at the victories that were in the Bible. Is this making sense so far? We doing good? Carol, it's, it's okay? <laughs> Carol says it's okay, it's okay. Now, this is a, um, this is a part of the Bible that kind of interests me. But we are going to look at when the Israelites were in captivity. Anybody know when that is? I mean, we can all kind of play through <coughs> David and Saul and Solomon and this. But when they finally, all of those people were taken into captivity. That's where we kind of lose the bubble, right? Because, I mean, we got people like Daniel and Ezekiel and Malachi and Nehemiah. We got all those people talking and saying things, but we really can't put a, this is what was going on during that period. But anyway, the Jewish nation, and I'm using Israelites and Jewish, you know, kind of interchangeably, technically, can't do that, but that's okay. I am using that. You know what I'm talking about. People from, people from Israel. The Jewish nation has reached its pinnacle when Solomon was king, right? They had their own country. First of all, they were rich, filthy rich. But they had their own country. They had their own king. They had their own temple where they could worship. They had their own priest. They had their own religion. They had gold, silver. Life was good. Life was real good. Okay? But, but because of the unfaithfulness of Solomon, everything began to unravel. When he died, the kingdom was divided, right? Northern tribe, southern tribe. Northern tribe lasted about another 200 years, and they were taken over by the Assyrians. Right, different group. I'm going to mention different groups here. The Assyrians. Then in another 130 years, the tri Judah, the, the southern tribe, was taken over by the Babylonians. And we can always remember the Babylonian captivity, right? The, those, those people came in, and the Assyrians were the superpower bad guys of the day. They defeated the northern kingdom. And then Babylonia, 130 years later, they're the new superpower bad guys. They take over the southern kingdom. When they took over the southern kingdom, it's kind of what practice of the uh, conquering nations was. They took a large number of people out of the nation that they had captured and moved them into their country, right? Kind of like hostages, right? We understand that now, don't we? Hostages, right? So they moved those people. So this is where people like Daniel ended up. And all those people ended up in a different country. And the, the Jew, Jerusalem was complete. After the last thing there, Jerusalem was completely destroyed. Temple was destroyed. Everything. So now... So now let's talk about the Israelites. You remember under Solomon, they had a country, they had a king, they had money, they had this. Now the Israelites had no country. They had no king, no temple, which is, the temple is an essential part of the Jewish worship service, right? I mean, that's, they have an altar at the temple and they make sacrifices, so they got none of that left. 
And the big part of that is, if you're, a cap- if you're a captive in a foreign nation like that, how are you going to get out of that? How do, how do you get out of it? Anybody? I'm sure those people planned and thought and thought and planned, but it was an impossible situation, right? They didn't have any, they didn't have any money. They didn't have another army somewhere that was coming to save them. They had no way to get from under what they were in. Right? It's a good time to lose faith, right? Good time to lose hope. But God sent prophets to keep his people together. Am I losing y'all? Y'all, y'all still with me? Okay. This is I'm talking a long time here now. All right. God sent prophets to, to keep his people together, keep them worshiping, and, and keep them full of hope. Right? Because that's all they had was hope, right? They couldn't start a rebellion. They couldn't do anything. So they spent 70 years in captivity. Anybody remember that magic number, 70 years in captivity? 70 years in captivity. And so then the Persians, under that guy named Darius, came and defeated the Babylonians. Right? Remember, the Babylonians took them captive. Well, hey, Alex. How you doing? Ah, uh, the Babylonians had taken them captive. Now the Persians, the next superpower bad guys, had defeated the Babylonians. And the Persians treated the captains differently. What did the Persians do? Think about it. What's the most unrealistic thing you think the Persians could have done? They let them go. They let him go. God influenced Darius so that he let those people go. He not only let them go, he gave them money and, and vouchers and whatever so they could travel and rebuild their city. You know how amazing? You know what I, I had never thought about. You know, we, we think about, yeah, the exiles returned. Okay. Exile returned. How did they return? It was an impossible situation again, just like us in salvation. It was impossible. There is no natural way you can think about this and say, okay, we're going to do a revolt here and we're going to do that and we're going to poison the king or something. But there's nothing. He put these people in place and he let them go. All right? Good enough. All right. Now, Let's read in Ezra, chapter 3, verse 7. This is is where the people are, are getting back here. All right, you got it done? And... Verse 7, and they gave money to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidron and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. Now we're going to skip down to verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, 
Remember the temple had been destroyed, Jerusalem had been destroyed. And when they laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests and their vestments and trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. And here it is. And with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. So they had, this is their thanksgiving event, just like the Indians and the pilgrims. This is it. God has moved miraculously to let those people out of captivity back to their home city, and now they're going to rebuild their temple. A miracle in itself. And then the, the song they were saying is, is, he is good. His love towards Bob endures forever. He is good. His love towards Bill endures forever. He is good. His love towards Seth endures forever. Pretty hard thing. Y'all with me? Bruce, what do you think? We good so far? I, had, I don't think I had ever thought about, you know, we, we, the, the exiles returned. No, there was a lot going on in the background of the exiles to return. Not only return, if they'd have returned, they'd have been, they didn't have any money, they didn't have anything. You know, they had all been taken from them. So, one potato. Let's talk about the second potato. Another impossible situation, and we'll get through this one pretty quick, I think. Yep. Is the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Remember that story? Everybody remembers that story. Joseph had them there. And then the Egyptians made them slaves. And then Moses went in there um, to try to get them out. So these people are slaves in Egypt, right? So, again, somebody come up with a plan on how we can get out of this. How? There's no way out. How do, how do you get out? You're, you're a slave. You don't have... They control everything you do. There's no way you can get from under this. Except, we all know the story. God sent plagues, and uh, finally the Passover angel before Pharaoh let him go. And uh, Pharaoh changed his mind and chased after him, remember? And then they got to the Red Sea, and it looked like it was all going to be over right there. The army was going to catch them and take them back. And then we're going to read in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to see what happens. I think we all know what happened, but we're going to read that part. Exodus chapter 14, verse 29. I'm going to read a little ways here. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians laying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. 
we're not going to sing the whole song. We'll just sing a little bit here. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has come, he has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him, my Father's God. I will exalt him. Now we're going to jump all the way over to verse 20. Then I'm, I'm reading. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, remember that's Aaron's sister, Miriam, took a timbrel in her hand. I don't know what a timbrel is. I assume it's some kind of something like that. Anyway, took in her hand, and all the women followed after her with the timbrel and dancing, and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. For horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Another uh, almost instantaneous thanksgiving for the, for the things that God has done. All right, one more impossible situation. We're going, this is Paul and Silas in prison, Acts chapter 16. We doing okay? No? Doing okay? Our thanksgiving is probably not going to be this exciting. What do you think? <laughs> no? No? Individually, though. Uh, one more. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Oh, this is a little bit to read here. I might skip through some of it. I might... Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to tell you the story. Paul and Silas were ministering, and uh, there was a, a girl who could tell the future. Right, by some, that wasn't God helping her tell the future. But she followed Paul and Silas around, saying these people are men of God, etc., etc., etc. Until finally Paul got annoyed with it and he said, you know, this spirit, come out of her. Right? So it did. So the people who, I guess, owned this girl, their, um, you know, their business had just went out the window, right? This girl couldn't tell the future anymore, so they couldn't make money. It's all about the, it's all about the Benjamins, right? And so let's go all the way to verse 20. And, the, and these are the owners of the girl, and, and they, incited, they uh, got all their friends to help them out, and they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged and thrown into, visit, into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stock. So, impossible situation. You're beaten. You're chained. You're at the inner, inner cell in the jail. How are you going to get out of that? No way. There's no way out. There's no way out. So, verse 25. So, Paul had a plan, I think, didn't he? 
verse 25 at about midnight, it's pretty late, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. If they had beat you and throw you in chains and put you in there, how many people is singing hymns to God? Anybody? That's a good thought, right? But they were having their thanksgiving right there. They were singing and praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So another impossible situation there where God intervened and the people broke out in thanksgiving. Okay, let me say this about that. We're not captives in a foreign land, okay? We're not slaves in Egypt. We hadn't been beaten and put in jail, at least not recently, right? But we all have problems, right? But we also have much to be thankful for. Just like we have to discipline our thoughts on the way we think and what we say, saying good things and positive things about our life, we also have to discipline ourselves to give thanks to God. Right? It, I, it doesn't come just naturally on you. You have to discipline yourself. Just like you have to discipline the words that come out of your mouth, you have to discipline yourself to give thanks to God. So when we get this Thursday, I hope we eat turkey and enjoy our family as much of them as we can stand and watch the football game, all of that stuff. That's on Thursday. But every day we need to remember to give thanks to God and what, what he's done, not just for us, but for generations and generations before us. You know, when, when he brought this, uh, the uh, slaves out of Egypt and when he brought the uh, captives back home to Jerusalem and when Paul and Silas were set free, all of that is our heritage. All of that adds up to where we are today. All of that. It's not like something that happened way back when. All of that was in the plan. All of that made uh, Jerusalem and the Israel nation ready to accept Jesus as king, which gave us a chance, right? All of that set it up. So give thanks to God for all the things he's done for us. And, uh, it, you know, always think back to salvation. you saved, not going. But got to work at it. Got to flex those uh, giving thanks muscles, right? To build them up. The more you do it, the easier it is, the more you can think of things you should be thankful for. I hope y'all got something out of that. I like it. All right, let's pray. And if y'all got a need for prayer, I will pray with you. All right? Father God, we thank you and praise you that if we take this time to reflect on giving thanks, that we give you the thanks. Because you love us. No matter what, no matter what we've done, no matter what we haven't done, no matter how many wrong turns or how many right turns we've taken, you still love us. You care about every aspect of our life, everything that happens, and we 
thank you so much for caring for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.